Hey everybody, this is Seth. This is Josh. And this is a disclaimer that some of these episodes of Family Trips were recorded before the Screen Actors Guild strike took place. So if people are talking about work that they have coming out, we just want you to know that they were not breaking strike rules by doing so. And moving forward, we're going to make sure that doesn't happen with any future guests. Thanks. Hi, Pashi. Hi, Suvi. How are you? I'm good. I actually know how you are. Yeah. Yeah. We're together. So I know how you're doing. We're in two different rooms, but we are together. You came to visit my family and you brought mom and dad. Yeah. It's a real Myers get together. It's a lot of Myers. As predicted, mom and dad listen to every podcast. And one of their takeaways is that they're learning a little bit about themselves. Yeah. I was worried that they were taking offense but dad clarified that they're not taking offense. They're just learning a lot. Like they had no idea that they left uh, wide swaths of water on every counter where they have done their morning business. Yeah. And he he almost seemed to say that can't be true. Or he said, it's not like we just leave it there. But <laughs> it's definitely yeah, been left there. It is there. exactly that. One thing that he was very nice to point out is that he he thinks there's a great deal of truth to the fact that he spills on himself every time he eats a meal. And even last night during dinner, he tapped me on the shoulder and was very proud to show that he had spilled. He'd spilled on himself. Can you describe for our listeners how dad approaches a spill when he sees it? it I feel like it's, isn't it napkin like dunked in water and then yeah. like just like aggressively sort of swabbed onto the, the stain. So it initially it balloons and then all the water dries up and everything that was part of the stain is still there. Yes. So there is a moment where there's a small stain that he turns into a giant circle of water. Yeah. And then when, when the time has passed, you realize that the stain has not been affected at all by this. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I should also note that his uh, napkin into water onto shirt, what that does is leave water everywhere. And this is the yeah. same man who claims he finds it hard to believe that he leaves water on a counter. <laughs> I was just going to say one of the most exciting things about your arrival is we were wondering how long it would take Addie, our youngest, just under two, to start calling you Poshy, which is what everybody calls you. And the answer was immediately. Yeah, right away. And it's, it's so satisfying, like as an uncle or I'm sure as an aunt to or any relative of a baby when they start using your name. Yeah. Because the last time I saw her, she called me daddy because yeah. we look we look so much alike and she was pretty sure I was you. As satisfying as it is for you to hear her call you by your first name was as jarring as it was for me to hear her call another person daddy. Yeah. So it is also <laughs> great relief for me. When your yeah. daughter's walking around calling every dude who looks a little bit like you daddy, <laughs> let me tell you. You start yeah. thinking, of, is it even worth letting them out of the house? Yeah. But she is thriving. The boys are very happy to see you. It has been a wonderful couple of days. And we should note, it's only been a couple of days. So this could all turn ugly. But uh, early start is uh, off to a good one. Sure. Also, I just, I feel like I want to address something that uh, Amy Schumer got on me a bit for yeah. uh, being in a 10-year relationship. And I would like to say this was not because of Amy Schumer. I don't, I don't want to give Amy Schumer credit for this. But also, between our last shows, I am engaged. Josh got engaged, you guys. Josh got engaged 
to his wonderful now fiance, Mackenzie. And let me just say, Pashi, credit where credit's due. When Amy Schumer burned you for the fact that you had not proposed after almost 10 years of dating, I assumed in the moment that you would ask us to take that out of the podcast. Oh, yeah. No. When you left that in, somewhere in the back of my head, and again, I'm not saying that it's because of Amy. I just thought in the back of my head, oh, maybe maybe he knows this is something that he's on the path to rectifying. It was very exciting news. Yeah. I received it via FaceTime. I'm not ashamed to say that I cried when I heard that you guys were uh, getting engaged, mostly because I knew that my wife would stop saying, well... Are they getting engaged? So I never have to hear that again. I never have to hear mom ask me if I think Mm -hmm. you're getting engaged again. So I wasn't crying out of happiness for you or Mackenzie. It was just a great amount of personal relief. Yeah, I could see that. But yeah, it's great. We're both so excited. And it was really, uh, yeah, it was really nice. And yeah, very happy. And tying tying it back to the theme of family trips, you did it. Um, with both of your families present, which is a very a very nice gift to give to parents. Yeah, I, we were with um, at the time, and I didn't do it because they were there. It was sort of a nice byproduct of the situation. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I knew I wanted to propose in her hometown, uh, which is famous for its bridge of flowers, which we actually, it comes up in uh, this episode we're going to have today. Oh, right. We do talk about bridge of flowers. Yeah. So um, I knew I wanted to do it on the Bridge of Flowers. We sort of circumstances had myself and our parents and Mackenzie and her dad and her stepmother walking across the Bridge of Flowers. And they got sort of out in front of us and I pulled Mackenzie back. And our parents didn't even see what was going on until I feel like it was all over. Um, But it was the right time of day. It was the right amount of traffic on the Bridge of Flowers. The right amount of flowers on the bridge. Yeah. I mean, really, it's a beautiful, it is as beautiful a bridge can be, I feel like. And so, yeah, it was great. And then Mackenzie's mom lives uh, a couple minutes away and within five minutes had met us uh, sort of at a restaurant. And we were all able to toast and cheers one another. And uh, it was really emotional and really nice. And so... Amy Schumer, I guess you got what you wanted. I should know you told our friend Jake Miller about getting engaged on the Bridge of Flowers, and almost all his questions were about the number of bees. Yeah. <laughs> were, were bees an issue? He sort of immediately skipped past the romance of it and had a lot of questions about, is the Bridge of Flowers basically just a swarm of bees <laughs> yeah and i can honestly say i don't know i was too uh yeah. too caught up in in what i was doing it, it was only days later that you realized you, it, the joy of getting engaged wore off and you realized you had a thousand stings <laughs> <laughs> which just speaks to how excited i was to be yeah. engaged that to i did not notice. even to not even feel and not even notice the swelling yeah and i think it speaks to the fact that Mackenzie said yes even though you were a giant puffy mass of <laughs> infected skin. Uh, it is very exciting. I should also note, uh, you told me everything about it. And then the next morning I called mom and dad and I said that you had told me. And then uh, dad started telling me everything about it, even though I had clarified to him just moments earlier that you had told me what had happened. <laughs> well, people like, it's, people like to recount stories like that that's i mean it was it's like when they show an instant replay in football when they're reviewing whether or not 
a play was inbounds or out of bounds and they keep showing it from different angles. That's what I, I feel like dad oftentimes is just the second angle. <laughs> yeah. On a play. Which maybe doesn't show a lot of new information, but it is, it's a different perspective. And when you're sitting waiting there for the referee to make his choice, you know, why not see it, see it a different yeah. way? Yeah. Another person who uh, you're here in person now, although we're in different rooms, the only in-room guest we've had so far on the podcast was uh, today's guest, uh, Dak Shepard who yep. was very sweet because I have done Dax's podcast a couple of times over the years. And then I saw him, I saw him uh, here and I mentioned I was doing a podcast and he said, that's really cool. And we talked a little about podcasts. And then the next day uh, we talk about this a little bit. Uh, he said to my wife, he said to Alexi, Hey, I feel like Seth was too shy to ask me to do the podcast, but let him know that I would do it. Very nice of him because I, yeah. I was a little shy. I was a little shy because this is a thing that happened when when Dax was out here. I was at the beach with uh, my family. Uh, Dax was at the beach with his family. We were hanging out. He's obviously got a beautiful uh, family. I've known Kristen for a really long time. And uh, after we were at the beach, my son Ash pulled me aside and asked, is Dax a demigod? <laughs> Now, I want to explain. The reason my son asked this is my son has recently been watching the film Moana. In the mm -hmm. film Moana, uh, Dwayne Johnson voices a character named Maui who is uh, very fit and tattooed and uh, often in the water. This was what, this was the bounce my son was getting off Dax, who is very fit, tattooed, and was in the water. And so it was, for, for, for Ash, it was a short leap to ask if uh, Dax was a, was a demigod. Yeah. And if there are demigods among us, I yeah. feel like Dax is a pretty good candidate. It's certainly a good name for a demigod, Dax. And then, uh, not, not to brag, but uh, uh, Dax's uh, daughter, I think it was his daughter, uh, Lincoln, asked him later about me, is Seth a comedy writer? That's what she asked after she saw me on the beach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, is he most, is his best work inside? <laughs> uh, but it was a joy. I mean, you know, look, when you can interview an actual podcast host, they know what they're doing. Yeah. I learned a yeah. lot. Just, just, just talking to Dax, you learn a lot. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm happy to say there's not a single awkward silence when uh, you're lucky enough to have someone like Dax on the microphone. He will pick it up before the ball hits the ground. Yeah, agreed. Hey, there's one more exciting thing we want to share with you uh, before we get to our interview with Dax, which is we're going to do an episode around Labor Day where we want to hear from you, our listeners. So you can send a voice message to Family Trips at www.speakpipe.com backslash family trips pod. And what we would like you to do is record one of your favorite Labor Day family trip stories or a favorite summer trip story. And also you could ask us a question. If you have any questions, having listened to some family trips pods, uh, we would love to hear what those questions are. Yeah. Speak pipe, did you say? Speak pipe. The link will be in our show notes. Speak pipe. Yeah. All right. Say it as fast as you can. Speak pipe. Yeah. So you do need to spell it out. <laughs> <laughs> the two words are speak and pipe. But if you say them really fast together, like Josh is doing, it sounds like this. 
speak pipe. Okay, so there you go. Please enjoy this conversation, but first, please enjoy this very short, very catchy jingle from Jeff Tweedy. Boom, we got it. All right, great. Big time podcaster. Yeah, let me just reboot and say. (laughs) But I would like to point out that this is the most technical difficulties we've had, which I feel like is the jinx of having a big time podcaster as a guest. Yeah. Yeah, you think it's all going to be smooth sailing because of the experience. Well, listen, we we do these shows on Fridays. We put a prompt up. We say, um, tell us about a time you, you accidentally evacuated, right? Unauthorized evacuation. Then uh, the, the listeners write into the, to the website and then we select four and then we interview four people back to back via Zoom. And so on an average day of that, we'll do two of them. So we'll record eight people. And I just want you to know that each person we go through this with, because it's their first time ever recording on Zoom. So those days it's eight to 12 of this experience for the first 12 minutes. It also doesn't feel like it should be this. Once you figure it out, it doesn't feel like it should have been that hard. Right. It's quite easy once you're on the other side of it. (laughs) It just does feel like you're teaching people to speak a new language. And so it does take a bit of time. Josh, you were you were reflecting back on a time the three of us were together. Yeah, we were together just also on about Dax being a big time podcaster. I want to say we were together in Venice playing poker with the Uh, three of us. And I want to say with Sean Hayes, Will Arnett and Jason Bateman. Thousand percent. And I feel a little bit angry that it's taken Seth and I so long to have a podcast when we were with four titans of the podcasting world. (laughs) Was Andy Richter also there? That he might does, have been. That does ring a bell. The thing I remember about that night is you had the coolest car I'd ever seen. It was <laughs> yeah. all black. Do you yeah. know what car it might have been? I do, but I, I'm going to break your heart. It wasn't all black. Okay. The silver CTSV Cadillac, the first version of the CT. Did I do donuts in the intersection? You did donuts. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember it as being in the intersection. I thought it was like in the middle of the road, like a very thin road yeah. with cars on both sides. And I don't know if you said like, get out of the road, but you, <laughs> yeah. and like Seth and I were not car guys. Right. Um, just never have been. I think, by the way, one of the reasons I am not a car guy is I saw that and realized I would never, <laughs> I would never yeah. catch up. Well, uh, the backstory of that is that Arnett is also not a car guy. And he and I had just done that movie in Illinois together. And I would do donuts in the parking lot of Chili's every night because we were bored out of our mind in Bolingbrook, <laughs> Illinois. And that's what we did. And then the uh, the busboy had his brother borrowed his brother-in-law's Camaro one night. He's like, I'm gonna do some donuts with you. Ay, ay, ay. Uh so because of that, Arnett definitely prompted that. Like, Dax, why don't you do yes. some donuts in the front for the guys who haven't seen it? So I just want to st- point out that I wasn't really driven by me. That is very good because it was very much donuts in a super residential area. Yes, and yes. I'm glad you that does that does uh, uh, also ring a bell that Arnett had, had uh, prompted you into doing it. Yeah, I was basically the little monkey with the symbols at that point. So that is the movie you didn't 
Illinois is so you're going to prison? Let's go to prison. Let's go yeah. to prison. Is yeah. that where you and Will meet? That is where we met. And um, I think we've talked about this publicly a few times, so I don't feel bad saying this. Um, I had been cast first, and then we were reading people. And when I met Arnett, I immediately hated him. I could sense that he was mm-hmm. from a wealthy family. Mm-hmm. And um, also, he was a little um, angry about... Arrested Development, that they wouldn't just declare that it was over or pick it back up. Oh, there was that's the, a weird which, time, yeah. Which, by the way, I then found myself in a situation where I, too, was in on a show where they strung you along. And I then later related to that. But what it sounded like to me was like, this what this dude wants them to cancel Arrested Development. And I sensed that he was wealthy. And so I very much hated him. And I think I even told Odenkirk, who was directing it, like, I really don't want to be in a small town with him for six weeks. I said that. Then I had this tremendous amount of guilt. Like, I don't ever want to be a part of someone not getting hired for something. Called him back up and said, you know, we're enemies in the movie. I think uh, obviously that works really well. So forget everything I said. And I would love for you to hire him if that's who you want. Cut to day one, Bolingbrook, Illinois. I bump into him. He goes, you want to go get a coffee? And I'm like, uh, yeah, hmm, that was more nice and kind than I was expecting. And within 11 minutes at Starbucks, I was like, I think this guy's the greatest guy I've ever met. <laughs> we became best friends. And through him, I then met Amy. Through Amy, I then met you. All of that all yeah. kind of rolled out of uh, Let's Go to Prison. A very good lesson not to trust your negative instincts about a person <laughs> well they're they're pretty consistently wrong in my experience yeah i think that really sp- is that of every movie you've done the farthest away from what you thought showbiz was filming a movie like that in bolingbrook illinois um yes well yes and no a i grew up watching these prison movies i loved all of them i mean um Escape from, uh, uh, no, no, uh, what was the great one? Um, Midnight Express. Oh, Midnight Express, right. That's the Turkish prison one. Yes, and I want to see Oliver Stone wrote that movie. Like, I it's, think he did write that movie, right. It, Didn't direct it, but wrote it. In the in the soundtrack was beautiful. My parents owned the album. Like, whatever. I've, I've long loved prison movies. Found ourselves in Joliet State Prison where they shot Blues Brothers. So there was all this excitement. And even going to set, you would drive in over the little grate where they would put a mirror under your car and into the gates of the prison. That was really cool. And then about day four of being in an actual prison cell shooting, I was like, well, the fun has worn off. (laughs) And now we're just by our own, you know, volition in prison for six weeks <laughs> like however you cut it you are in the cell all day long or shooting in the disgusting shower barefoot and it just started um yeah disillusioning quickly did you ever have the fantasy because i think it would probably be way shorter than four days but sometimes especially since i've had kids i've thought it would be nice to go to prison for three days mm, mm. just three days to get your reading done Get Maybe in shape. Get a little workout in. Yes, yes. I know, yes. I know I'm obviously ignoring a lot of the downsides of prison, but I have had fantasies. For starters, I would recommend a federal prison for you. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Mm. Um, yeah, I think women, this was a joke in Bad Moms, which was brilliant, was Kristen's character fantasized often about getting in a bad enough car accident that it would land her in the hospital for a week, but nothing life-threatening. <laughs> right. Just a break from everything where you could watch TV and people bring you food. And I think the male equivalent is prison. Cause, yeah. Because I often think, God, 
there's still so many of these classics I haven't read. And it's seeming like I'm probably going to die without reading them yeah. unless I go to prison. I think it was I read an article about when Tyson was in prison and he went he was reading the classics. It and I shows. thought, look at that. It shows one of my favorite moments with Mike Tyson is um, real sports. And I and I never really talk disparagingly about people in public. I really try not to. But I, I reserve the right to blast Larry Merchant, who, if you know HBO Boxing, he's the most condescending commentator ever. And when Mike Tyson had his one-man show that he was promoting, he went on to HBO Sports and and he was interviewing Mike, and he's sitting in a theater with him, and he said, um, if I were to tell you, Mike, that you would be referred to as a thespian at some point, <laughs> you probably wouldn't have known what people were saying. Like, what a shitty fucking wow. question. And Mike Tyson, without skipping a beat, he goes, Thethbian is from the island Thethboth, where they first invented drama. Like, he gave a master class <laughs> on what thespian means, which I don't even know as a thespian. And I was like, fuck yeah. There you wow. go, Larry Merchant. There you yeah. go. Mm. I probably even have the wrong interviewer, you know? You I, know, <laughs> there's, a different, there's a different guy you hate? No, Larry Merchant's like, wow, I might man. Hate, I may ha hate all the old white guys that talked to Mike yes. Tyson over the years. I never thought going to prison would solve anything for me, but in my sort of darkest of times, I, and I don't encourage or want anyone to do this, but I was always like, maybe I should do heroin okay, mm -hmm. um, and then kick heroin. Because if you can kick heroin, then people would forgive any of your sort uh, of I see. troubles. And they'd be yeah. like, hey, <laughs> he, was, he was a total fuck up and now he's good. He kicked he it. He went through hell, and he now he's out on the other side. Prison, yeah. prison sounds like a lot better. Like I don't know why my head wasn't in that space. Right. I, I was just reading a book that, and the person went to some kind of a treatment center, and they walked into the kitchen, and above where the chef cooked, it said, "Religion is for people who are afraid of hell. Spirituality is people who have been there." Ah, and I, that's. In essence, what you're saying, I think, Josh, yeah. which is like when people can sense, well, this guy recently exited hell. Let's give him a pass. <laughs> yeah, for whatever. Um, do you, Dex, do you remember the last time I saw you? Let me you? stop you. Oh, well, maybe not last time, but I, whenever I think of you, I think of that photo shoot you, I, and a third person did 18 years ago where it was like here's hollywood's next batch of stars <laughs> wow and it was do you not remember this it was you and i and and since we were all uh, vaguely comedians they, they were trying to make the pictures kind of funny and there was maybe a poker uh setup. everything was poker back then it like was 15 18 years ago every <laughs> single thing was poker <laughs> you're right selling a car poker yeah, <laughs> uh, Trump University poker. You don't remember that, though, is my guess that we were. But do in a you, photo I, I, I kind of remember it, but I remember much more recently. I bumped into you in an Apple store. Wh in what part of the country? At the Grove, and your house had just been broken into. Uh, and I was like, hey, man, you're like, hey, I got to buy laptops. Someone uh, broke into my house, <laughs> took my computers. Yeah. And yes. like, yeah. Well, Let's be honest, they didn't break in. They they walked in the unlocked door while we <laughs> yeah, were yeah, yeah. That's very nice. No, I 
I what I like there is you're both blaming yourself and you're also you don't want whoever took it to get too much credit. <laughs> this wasn't some cat burglar. I hadn't thought of that Machiavellian <laughs> angle, but yes, I guess I wouldn't say the person was super skilled. Although we never we we, we didn't know they had been in until the morning. Uh, and Kristen, it started with Kristen going, you know, where's my computer? She's scampering around everywhere looking for a computer, and. I hate looking for shit. It's probably one of my biggest character defects. My whole modus operandi is I don't lose shit and so that I don't have to look for it. And I don't, I'm not going to be expected to look for everyone else's shit, right? So the computer's lost all the time. She's saying it. She's getting stressed. I'm a terrible husband. I'm not even, I don't care. I'm like, she'll, it'll turn up somewhere, but I'm not going to get ensnared in this. And then she leaves, never got her computer. And then... I go to my backpack to get my computer out, which was on the counter. I'm like, huh, my backpack's gone. Now I think there's, we've got trouble. And by this point, she calls me and she's like, my wallet isn't in my whatever. So what they ended up, or he ended up getting was two laptops in her wallet and then bought a, uh, a Redline Metro Pass, like within an hour of robbing the house to get home. And did they catch him? Oh, God, no. I don't. Yeah. He, yeah. But you're very confident it was a he. I am. I am. I'm, I feel okay genderizing that one. Yeah. I do too. Seth, you had you famously had a laptop stolen out of your car at a movie when you yes. went to go see uh, Straight Out of Compton, Straight Out of Compton at the uh, ArcLight, a rental car. Me and my producer Mike Shoemaker, all his stuff got stolen as well. Oof! And we went back to the car, opened it, realized everything was gone. And I said, and also, you didn't have to unlock it, did you? Well, no, I thought, <laughs> here's the thing. I said, because I thought I had, un I, in my head, I unlocked it on the way up, right? Yeah. So I'm like, he's like, did you lock it? I'm like, I definitely locked it. Because mm -hmm. I hit the unlock button, so I didn't know yet. And then we went to the police station to report it. And when we got to the police station, we got out of the car and I locked it. And it was the loudest beep that neither <laughs> yeah. of us had ever heard before. Oh, right, right. <laughs> Completely novel. And it's really... um Going to a major metropolitan police station and reporting something where every part of it's your fault. Oh, a thousand percent. Um, and and when, when you ask, like, did they catch him? I, I'm going to be honest. Um, my house was broken into before, back when I, it was my house and not Kristen Nice. But uh, I guess, I don't know, when I did Baby Mama. So I don't know what that right. was. 15 years ago, I was away in New York, came home. My house had been broken into. Uh, they took fingerprints, blah, 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 blah. They said, oh, it was really weird. It looks like kids' fingerprints or maybe a woman's or something. It was just weird. Uh, never heard anything for about five years. Then the whole bling ring thing uh, came out, and it started occurring to me, like, well, maybe I was a part of that bling ring thing because I was in some paparazzi photos in New York. It was obvious I was in New York. And so I called the detective, uh, found his card from five years before. And I go, hey, you know, I think maybe I'm part of that thing. He goes, oh, wow, I bet you are. Okay, um, I'm going to call the prints department. We'll, we'll, we'll run those prints. And I said, well, what do, you, what do you mean? You'll run them now? And he goes, oh, yeah, there's a six-year backlog in the prints <laughs> division in downtown LA. And if I don't call and tell them immediately do them, yeah, you're still another year out from having the prints ran. And that's when it all occurred to me, like, they're not investigating anything. <laughs> right. You can have cameras. You can show them pictures. They're not going to drive around L.A. like fucking holding <laughs> the photo up in their car looking at strange. Like, there's no. 
And, and then and then what tied this up really neatly for me is I was listening to like NPR and they were talking about in Scandinavia, I think Sweden, and they were saying that they had had this kind of precipitous drop in crime over the previous 15 years and they really wanted to isolate what new law enforcement technique they had employed that had resulted in these um, this dip in the crime rate. And through a really lengthy investigation, what they found is that people in Sweden just stopped reporting small crime. That's what the dip was. Right. They've come to accept that like, yeah, when you have shit, people take your shit and that's that. So I largely have that opinion now. Where it's like, yeah, I was lucky enough to get some shit. Some people are going to take it throughout my life and that's going to be that. No one's going to get caught. And especially in both the cases of our, my rental car in your home, nobody, they did not break a glass. Mm-hmm. They didn't, there was nothing. It was just gone. Right. They walked in, walked out. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I feel like you also had like a tile locator in your bag that got stolen seth and you like told the police you're like you could use this to track it and they were like we're good man yeah no, gone. Sh- <laughs> shoemaker had one of those uh, uh tile locators on his on his laptop and we then we started like tracking it and i'm oh, like what fun. are we doing yeah. but like in to, how does this end yeah with, what's the end goal of all yeah of it? i do want to go back because there was this era and i bet by the way younger comedians would tell us it's still happening which is the photo shoot where if you have the DNA of comedy, you have to take the silly picture and they're just disasters. And I always felt like some people would pull it off. I feel like Seth Rogen historically has always looked great in the funny picture. Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. We're really, really just figuring out who are the real comedians. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, is there, oh, that's, oh, that's the connection. (laughs) Like for all of us who couldn't pull off the funny picture, I think that probably tells you everything. I did a GQ comedy issue Uh and I remember walking in and two things happened. One, uh, the photographer didn't know who I was. And so that sent me off on a bad course. She tried to, to her credit, self-correct and she felt bad, but it still rattled me because I already had imposter syndrome and now it's. (laughs) <laughs> and then there was an idea they had was covering me uh, with shaving. Oh, toothpaste, like a tooth, oh. exploded toothpaste too with toothpaste. And I just kept saying, this will look like ejaculate. This will <laughs> yes. just, you cannot cover, yes. you cannot cover my face. You can't like even take this from the Photoshop people. And hey, let me be more specific. It's going to look like horse ejaculate because there's so much of it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's going to look like I'm going to try to remove it with a toothbrush. <laughs> yeah, I think, Josh, you saw, I mean, again, I'm... <laughs> you can't remember the third person? It might have been Wilmer Valderrama. It might have been, okay. I don't know. And I'm it's I'm shame-ridden that I can't remember the third. But the point is, is again, I think there was a poker theme. And of course, I think like maybe, Josh, you were holding some joker cards. <laughs> Hey, that's comedic. <laughs> this guy's going to cheat with some Joker car. I mean, also, let's be sympathetic to these photographers. They don't want to do any of this either. They're no. like, fuck, I don't know what's funny. I have to make this funny. Mm-hmm. I'm not a comedian. They're the comedians. They should be designing this shoe. Yeah, and they must. They're also like, we would prefer better faces. <laughs> yeah, We like yes. doing faces. Yeah, <laughs> where the light catches it and, yeah. it and it wakes your soul up. We want people who for, uh, for years have been filtered out. You're now bringing to us. <laughs> yes, camera ready <laughs> by, by genetics. Hey, we're going to take a quick break and hear from some of our sponsors. I will say a simple Google search did not yield these photos. Uh, oh, they of didn't? Us. Yeah. But I'll, I'll dig deeper. If I can find it, I'll, I'll put it on it's, the page. But I'm sure they're. Not I will pictures. tell you this if you were photographed in a magazine, Josh, mom will have a copy. 
Oh right. <laughs> let's, um, yeah, let's I'm gonna I'm going home next week. I'll ask mom. <laughs> yeah. My brother and I each have our own scrapbooks in our childhood bedrooms that our oh. our mom has been updating. And uh when I think the first time Alexi saw the scrapbook that my mom was keeping. She was like, oh, "Okay, now I get it. This is why. <laughs> right. This is why you're you need to be adored by me. <laughs> hopelessly broken. <laughs> you're an unfillable well. Uh, I simply can't dote on you the way your mother has. No. If that's what your ex- expectations are. And then she just pulled way back. Yeah, smart, smart. <laughs> well, look, I, th- I, I don't know, Josh. What's your romantic situation? Are you married or a long-term girlfriend? Long-term girlfriend. 10 years. Yeah. And is it, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess, uh, her approval is not easy to get. Her approval? I yeah. No. I mean, oh, okay. yeah. I will right. say, Dax, it's shocking how much more approving Josh's girlfriend is of him than my wife is of me. My wife would, Alexi's even said about Mackenzie, Josh is so lucky to have someone who loves him this <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, and she's, I, yeah she's great. I don't think um, it's it's love, but like I I I know the code that Kristen cracked that has us going on sixteen years, which is like I have to fucking work for it still. No, she gives it up. I don't want to say she doesn't give it up, but yeah. there's no freebies. I got to bring a game to get her approval, and I need that. So yeah. my hunch is Seth, maybe you too want that. I do for the A game. I would even take a B response. Okay, okay. <laughs> Some asymmetries. Welcome. Just <laughs> so first of all, and we're gonna we are gonna get to the theme of this podcast. Dax is currently on a family trip. We are together. Very meta. And Dax's wife, Kristen, has known my sister in law, Ariel, since college. College mm. roommates, right? That's right. College roommates moved to LA together. One of her oldest friends. Yes. So they've known each other forever, and. Dax and I saw each other two days ago. I had a conversation. I mentioned we were doing a podcast. I've done your podcast a couple of times. Yep, yep. Always enjoyed it. And then the next day, Alexi saw Dax and texted me and said, uh, Dax said he'll do your podcast. And he says, you're probably too shy to ask. Oh. <laughs> and so that is that is a perfect example of what Alexi does, which is solves problems. Right. And that's when we need that. Yes. We need that. I need it 100%. But don't you find that's a... Um, this is a situation I find myself in quite often where it's like, I'm, I'm, there's some line between being generous and being arrogant. And I don't know what's yeah. like, like my hunch is, well, you have a new podcast. You're, you, whether you want me or not, you're probably too polite to ask me because I'm on vacation. So let me offer. But then in offering, I go, oh, yeah, yeah, it doesn't sound like it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know how necessarily to navigate it, but I guess I'm, I'd rather err on the fact that you're like, oh, this guy's a blowhard. He thinks I want him on my podcast. I'd rather have that be the outcome, you know, yes. if I'm wrong, then. Right. I think there is a certain kind of person that the reason they have never said, do you know who I am to someone isn't out of politeness. It's a deep-seated fear that the person doesn't <laughs> indeed know who they are. <laughs> so I think that's the. But you, I run into this situation, I don't want to say tons. I'm not out of my house very often. But I, often I get a sense that someone would like a picture. And yes. maybe they're you know too shy to ask or too polite frankly and i try to offer but then in doing that it's like it, it is a roll of the dice because yeah. if they don't have any idea that i'm on television then what the fuck did i just offer to take i don't know i had a a gate agent on a plane recently get me on an earlier flight uh-huh. and uh was so lovely did me a way bigger salad than i could do her and she did recognize me and i said hey again 
I said, do you want a picture? And she said, sure. We took it. And then I saw she posted it on a social media and wrote, he asked for the picture with me. <laughs> and it, was, it read like a joke, but I, every part of it she said was true. I was like, yep, this is what happened. Uh, I'll tell you one time it happened. This must have happened to you guys at some point. I was in Miami with a friend and these two gals stopped us and said, um, could you take a picture? And uh, I said, sure. And they had handed me the phone and then I handed it to my friend and then I stepped between them and they got really like, what the fuck's this guy doing? <laughs> they were from another country. They simply wanted us to take their picture. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I The Oopsies. best one that ever happened to me is Alexi and I were on a hike. I can't remember if it was the one with you, Josh, the Dolomites. I think it was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember exactly where this was. It was amazing. We were going up and a French family asked if I could take their picture. So they definitely did. And I took their picture. And then as I was walking away, one of the kids said to the mother, like, uh, and by the way, this is a, a huge, not just a language barrier, but a sight barrier. They were like, Mama, that was Bradley Cooper. And I was like, the greatest. <laughs> what I like just floated up oh, the mountain. <laughs> yes. What could be better than being confused by Bradley? Um, I, less similar when I got the rental car here on the island. When I stepped up to the counter, she said, oh, it is you. Because she saw Dax Shepard in the reservation. I can't imagine there's another one. But regardless, yep. she said, oh, it's actually you. And oh, and then I'm kind of flattered and I'm being very nice. And then she goes, you know, to have the uh, to have the guy from Scrubs here <laughs> get in a car from our... And I'm like, this is really confusing because you have my name. So it's, it's not so much maybe that she's confusing me for Zach Press as much as she thinks I was in... I don't know at yeah. that point. But if that's a longstanding one that he and I constantly... Really? Yes. Less so over the last eight gotcha. years. But when, when I was in Without a Paddle, he was on Scrubs. Forget it. Half of the people that came up to me thought... That was it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Big mouth, big nose. I've known... I went to college with Zach. So I think that's one of the reasons. I never. I could never uh, associate another person with Zach since I've known him since he was he was a teen. In, at Northwestern. Yes. Yeah. He's between us in years. Yeah, he was a year between us. We went to school together. My biggest, uh, or I should say my best recognized at a car rental place is Keenan Thompson and I were doing a stand-up show at University of Rhode Island when we were at SNL, like 2007-ish. And I said, let's take the train. It's great. And he said, perfect train. Train gets canceled. Now we're scrambling. We yeah. don't. And so we go to an Avis in Times Square. At the time, I did not have a driver's license. Perfect. And Keenan did not have a credit card. <laughs> So we're trying to. This is like the um, what was it the um, the Richard Pryor oh, Gene yeah. Wilder movie? Uh, Not so one's blind and yeah, one's yeah. deaf. <laughs> uh, hear no evil. Uh, hear no evil. You see no evil here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, and again, this is an impossible. There's no. They don't let you mix and match. Right. Right. Of so course. it's a hard no at Havis. Yeah. And, but we're also time's ticking. We have to get on the road, drive to a show. And so I say, do you have a, can I talk to the manager? Which uh, I should say very politely. And then uh, this woman walks out from the back and uh, just sees Keenan and goes, hey, Keenan, where's Kel? Cut to like five minutes later, we're in a car. Oh, five God minutes bless. later. It was just that, the, the loving recognition of Keenan Thompson got us in a yeah, car. Yeah, that doesn't shock me. You want to give him whatever he You want to give him whatever he wants. So you are, um, you are on a family trip right now. On a family trip. Um, we have never been here. Yeah, this that's is Martha's not, Vineyard. This is Martha's Vineyard. Um, I, I was, and that's not entirely true. When I was 23 and I worked for General Motors, I think I told you the other night, we had a, um, 
a new vehicle launch for the Opel minivan. And so the German uh, clients, the, the division of General Motors that's in Germany, Opel, they were here and uh, waves of journalists flew into Manhattan. They got in these 20 minivans. They drove to the Berkshires. They spent the night at the Red Lion. Then they woke up. They drove to Martha's Vineyard that the Germans called Martha's Vineyard. They had a dinner. They flew out. New journalists flew into Marta's Vineyard. Then we drove to the Berkshires. Then we drove to New York. And we did this cycle or circuit for uh, three weeks straight. So I have been here like eight times. But when I arrived, I washed 20 minivans, fueled them, slept for three hours, and then drove to the Berkshires. So this is my first time as an actual tourist. And is it a bad omen that you immediately tried to schedule a podcast with me? <laughs> it does look like on you're your vacation. in an attic. It must be beautiful out there, you guys. It, in fact, this is identical to the sitch that we have back at Homie Hour above a garage. This one has a door to the bathroom. That's the big yeah. difference. I guess this is the, the reality of the podcast job is like, this is a job. Mm -hmm. Get real. Sit around and shoot the shit and compare embarrassing stories. About I should offering say that pictures. is that like, is again speaks to my wife's intelligence. She's clocked that pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I mine too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Some five and a half years later, she's like, you, "So let me get this straight. You you invite people you admire to your yard, and then you chat with them for an hour and a half, and that's the job." So I have a question because you have your two girls. You also are traveling with another family and that's something you guys do. Yes. Do you uh, highly recommend this? Because it seems like girls of similar ages, you get along with the parents. So you're rolling with eight. Enormously. Uh, yes. And this is pared down. We have a group of five families that starting in COVID, we started doing everything with. And the hack there was you could go on a vacation, the children would do something on their own for six hours of the day. You could play cards. You could watch a movie. Like, the adults could do stuff. So, that was the big hack. But I will say, I kind of caught myself on one of, after one of these vacations going, I did not see our kids as much as I think I should be seeing our kids on a vacation. So, we actually pared back from that. This is perfect. We, last year, we went with the Richardsons, uh, Eric and Molly, and they have two daughters. We went to Europe last summer. Um, and we love traveling with them and the girls get along great. And it's the perfect mix of like four hours of the day, the girls are busy with their own thing. And then the rest of the time we're doing something communal. When you're on a vacation now, trying to decide if you're going to come back, is it more about how much fun your kids are having or how much fun you're having? I think the right answer would be my kids, but also <laughs> fuck them. They're kids. They should have fun everywhere. Like they should have. Fun I everywhere. will say. And they're good at that. So last year, we had a very fancy vacation to Europe with the Richardsons, where we started in Austria at a Formula One race and then ended up in Italy. And that was glorious. But then when we got home, we got in the family motorhome and we did three weeks in the motorhome or two weeks, and a week of which was in North Dakota on the Missouri River in a field. And we were there, by God, for one week sitting in a field with the motorhome and the girls immediately, they were catching frogs, they were in the water. They, And so that little excursion was the highlight of the summer and there was nothing for them to do and they had a blast and it was just the four of us doing outdoorsy, weird North Dakota stuff. Now, what were your family trips like as a kid? Mm. They were... Um, they were worthy of some, maybe some short stories because um, <laughs> now usually those are not um, things that go well. Well, it's just the ambitiousness of my mother. So That's great. 
my parents got divorced when I was three. So we, my brother and I, and then uh, ultimately my little sister, who's six years younger than me, were raised by a single woman. And what's your age gap with your brother? Five years to my older brother, and then six and a half years got to it. my sister. So we're spread out stretch. quite a bit. Yeah, 11 and a half years. And my mother started as a janitor on night shift at General Motors, and then she worked her way up to a fleet manager, which allowed her to borrow a company vehicle once a year for 10 days. And so my mother's an adventure. We were flat broke, but by God, we were going places. So she would borrow a full-size Chevy van once a year. And uh, you're going to think I'm exaggerating, but she told us the budget so that we wouldn't be asking for shit. She'd go, look, we're going to Florida from Detroit on $200. (laughs) It's going to be $90 in gas. We're sleeping in the van. We're eating caramels and snacks for two of the meals. And then we're going to get some Burger King at night. And we did many vacations like that. It did not stop us, but we saw most of the country uh, all in a van on no budget at all. So on no budget at all, it's are you just limited to sightseeing as opposed to you? You're not going to Disney World. Or God, no. We yeah. dri- drive, get through Orlando as quick as possible so the kids <laughs> don't start asking. <laughs> drive through Orlando at night. Or I'll tell you what we would do is we did do trips to Orlando and we went to Wet n Wild, the water park, because we couldn't afford to go to Disney World. Um, but we loved Wet n Wild. But mostly we'd go to Daytona Beach. You can drive the van on the beach. We'd get off, we'd swim. We'd go to Ron John's surf shop. You know, we just gobble up time. And we're two boys that thought surfing was so interesting and skateboarding. So we, we were in heaven. Would you, would you surf or skateboard or just look at other people doing it? (laughs) We one time, um, got our hands on some rental surfboards from Ron John and the waves are like 11, 12 inches in that part (laughs) of Florida. I don't know why there's a surf shop there. Although, uh, Kelly Slater's from there, uh, weirdly, um, yeah, we tried that. We we did. We had our skateboards with us everywhere. You could, and this will also sound like a lie, you can skateboard on the beach in Daytona. It's that hard packed. One of my favorite memories is my brother and I it was like super windy. We had our windbreakers on. We had sand on our skateboard and we became the sail and we were just skating down the hard packed sand on our skateboards. Wow. Were these uh, trips that you anticipated, got very excited about? Absolutely. And my mother was also great at the middle of the night wake up, Mm -hmm. um, which she did two or three times where it was, we're dead asleep and we're getting shaken awake. And she goes, we're going to Toronto, get your shoes on. (laughs) And she had secured train tickets to go to Toronto on the train. Uh, Yeah, there was a lot of those fun. She liked to spring them on us. Do you think she like got the tickets at like two in the morning and then woke you up at three? Like what, how does that? If if it were the era of the internet, yeah, where she was watching some deal breaker, (laughs) (laughs) real time. uh, (laughs) uh, No, I think she had known, she had known. Yeah. When you're driving down to Florida in that minivan, are you, are you doing like the Walmart parking lot or are you going to campgrounds? We were. Um, mostly sleeping in the parking lots of motels that we had not, didn't have a room at, but in the full, it was a full size Josh, uh, G van. There was three rows of seating. So Mm -hmm. we all had a bench we could sleep in. 
uh, during the trip. It worked out. We weren't like uncomfortable. And then we'd have to go into a gas station and do morning cleanup and the whole nine yards. And was your mom, was she uh, sleeping in the driver's seat? Just She would just drop drop that thing back and get her Z's. Driving way too long of stretches, you know, with three kids in back. Uh, I applaud her. She was like, we're not letting uh, this budget stand in the way i can only imagine how your appreciation for that grows the older you get and having your own kids did you feel like you as kids were appreciative of what she was pulling off totally because a we didn't know people vacationed anyway other right. than that right you and didn't know will arnett yet i did not know barney <laughs> no uh heir to the molson fortune <laughs> what we were very aware of is that we went places and most of the kids i was friends with did not go places so most kids in where i'm from in michigan took a yearly trip to cedar point the amusement park in ohio sandusky ohio and that that was the big trip and then maybe they got to go to their grandparents once in their elementary school life in florida for a visit what was it about your mom? Do you think it was something about her upbringing or just how she was hardwired that she thought it was important to get you everywhere? I think, um, well, it's funny, and this could be a four-hour sidebar, but the things you think are, are, are nurture that are just nature, right? So, sure, I would say her dad was a vagabond as well. He was like everyone in the car. There were six of them. They'd drive across the country all on a shoestring budget. So she certainly grew up that way. But also there's just, I think, a genetic wanderlust that she had greatly, still does, and that I have really bad. Um, I could say that Kristen and I, about eight years ago, were watching 60 Minutes. There was a profile on Ted Turner. And they were interviewing Jane Fonda, how hard it was to be married to him because Ted has to leave every three days. And he has a jet and he just gets in it and he goes somewhere else. And at the end of three days, he goes in the jet, let's go. And I'm like, that's my dream existence. Just every yeah. three days, let's go somewhere else and shake this up. Uh, it's exhausting to be with me uh, for Kristen. But yeah, I think that might be just a genetic thing. Is it early enough to tell if your kids have it? Uh, yes, they do. Totally. Because they're eight and 10 and we're in a car a lot of our year. And I think I'll hear other people and their kids are pretty unruly and they're bored. My kids are like sitting in the passenger seat, fighting over who gets the passenger seat of the motorhome, looking out the window, taking pictures. Like, I think they definitely have, well, the older one definitely has it. And she already has plans. She's already telling me she's going to travel the world when she graduates high school. And so. What do you guys, with with all these road trips, are you, do you play games in the car? Are you listening to, is it music? Is it? What's your, what keeps you occupied? We played a lot of different license plate games, mm-hmm. right? Which I can't even remember how they worked now, <laughs> but I know we were damn busy reading license plates. <laughs> and then there were a string of stepdads in that, uh, you know, different chunks of that childhood. And one of them was an engineer at General Motors who worked in the Corvette group and he raced motorcycles. So our summers when she was married to Rick were two more kids also in a full-size van, but with two motorcycles in the back of the van with a little platform he had built over the top of it where we would sleep on that. And we would drive all summer from race to race in a van. Very similar. Were those, um, were those sort of boom years, the Rick years? Do you uh, recall those trips? Financially, yes. Emotionally, 
<laughs> gotcha. I call them a boom. I got to tell you though, the the best and worst in statue limitations is up uh, on one of these trips with Rick. And I had a step brother that was my brother's age, and then I had a stepsister that was between my brother and I, who I was in love with. Yep. You should note. Because I already went, I went, I was already in love with her before I found out that she was going to be my sister. Like we went to the same elementary school. Oh, I'm wow, like, oh, okay. I love this girl. Yeah, you, so you came by it honestly. None of this, <laughs> yes! none of this was the uh, forbidden fruit. No, 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 no. As I already was in love with her, and then my mom said, "We're going to go to dinner at this guy's house I'm dating," and we rolled up. And by the way, I'd already I knew the house very well because I used to sit at the end of his driveway and look at the motorcycles in the garage. I was obsessed with the motorcycles. We pull up. I'm like, oh, my God, she's dating the guy with the motorcycle. We walk in. Fucking Heather's sitting there. I'm like, what? <laughs> now, here's the cruelty. So she was in love with my brother, who was two years older than her. So it was a big, messy step-sibling love triangle. That's not even the story. We go to the Milford Plaza Hotel in Manhattan in Times Square. And they put the boys, there's three of us, in one room. And then they put the girls and the parents in another hotel room. And we've never been to the big city. And we're on like the 45th floor or something. And it starts very innocent. It's, let's make a paper airplane with uh, the phone book, a page from the phone book and throw it out the window. And we were doing that. And that was pretty fun. And they were flying really far. And then my brother was like, let's wet up some toilet paper and see what kind of you know splatter it makes. Now we're pitching wet toilet paper out the window. I can't even say what this escalated to, but what you need to know is that the next morning we had another round of it and there was a knock at our door and the hotel security was standing there holding an empty shampoo bottle <laughs> and a wooden coat hanger. <laughs> and we were promptly kicked out of the Milford Plaza Hotel. Really? No warning? Fuck no. They were like, get out of this hotel. You're lucky you didn't kill anyone or injure anyone. And we and we were scheduled to be in Manhattan for like three or four days to sightsee, and we had to get in the van and and leave. And my stepdad was not pleased. Thank God there was at least one of his it, yes. that it wasn't all stepsons. But you know what he thought, of course. Yeah, his yeah, angel yeah. little boy was <laughs> ensnared in this shepherd cesspool of chuckers. <laughs> yeah. Those shepherd boys are old school chuckers. <laughs> By the way, I'm pretty certain you could not get any of those things out of 45th floor. That's right. back when the window yeah. the window fully opened. I yeah. remember there was this moment where I was throwing God knows what out the window and I had that sense of weightlessness for half a second and my brother grabbed my shirt. Like I could have fallen out the window yeah. in 1983 or 4 or whatever it was. It was a different time. It was such a different time. Oh, it's perfectly ding, ding, ding. So on that car show I told you about a minute ago, where we go Manhattan to Martha's Vineyard back and forth, I was walking to the parking garage that where all the vans were at right next to, I guess it's Central Park East. And I'm walking down the street in the morning, like 5.30 in the morning, 6 in the morning uh, to start work. I'm walking down the street and all of a sudden, I get so spooked because something explodes directly in front of me on the sidewalk. I'm 23 at this point. And it's like, poof. and I look and I'm like, what the fuck is that? And it was a big glob of toilet paper that just blew up the size of like a bedspread. <laughs> and then another one behind me, poof, poof. I look up, there's two kids on like the 15th floor of a building chucking wet balls of toilet paper out off the balcony. And I looked up at it and I was like, 
Yeah. <laughs> I like totally encouraged them. And I thought this is the most beautiful poetic justice that I was almost taken out with a wet toilet paper glove. And really, I think it speaks to you and your integrity that you did not get angry at them. And yeah, you was, saw yourself out that window. I knew damn well how much fun they were yeah. having. If it, if, it took, if it took one civilian. <laughs> so obviously you had this real sense of, look, we're on a budget, but you still had a great time. You didn't feel like you were missing anything. Obviously, your kids are in a different situation. Yes. They don't vacation on a budget, but it does seem like, to some degree, when you talk about going, spending a week in a field, like you're not trying to like sort of douse them in luxury. Now, look, I've ruined them. I yeah. already figured that out the hard way. I'm in this precarious situation where it's like, well, I've worked really hard for the last 25 years, and I now feel like I want to stay at nice hotels and yes. fly in first class. Like, this is why I did it. And then just this nagging fear that I'm destroying them. Like, how on earth are they going to enjoy? Like, all I had to do is get in a better van to top what I experienced. But for them, they're going to have to really do something to exceed what. So I do try to counterbalance that with like a bunch of road trips, lo-fi, nothing nice, you know. Yeah. But but I've seen some, you know, we've rented some places and they're like, eh, this place is kind of a. This is a pass for us. <laughs> and I think, oh. What's like a winner place that you've taken them that uh, that has sort of satisfied everyone? Did you say winner or winter? Yeah, winner. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, well, the, the trip to Europe, they were really delighted with. I was nervous they were maybe too young mm -hmm. to kind of appreciate being in Europe and the history of Europe and blah, blah, blah. But – they have seen Sound of Music 25 times, and we happen to be in Salzburg where they filmed that. So the week in Salzburg was them making an iMovie of recreating every single song in all the same spots. And they were just on fire, and they were, in their mind, they were in the Sound of Music. So um, they loved that one. The only stinker we've had is we we recently, over spring break, we went to Big Bear. I hate to say this. I had never been. Have you guys been to Big Bear? Josh, Josh you, go. you yeah. must have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not crazy into it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we we got to be delicate here how we describe yeah, Big yeah. Bear. I'm more the of an Idlewild guy if you're talking like California mountain towns, but go on. No, but good. Idlewild. Yeah. That's a little bit more artistic, I guess. A little more Salzburg yeah. too, right? A little more Salzburg, a little more rock mm. and roll. Yeah. Yeah. We rented a house and um, pretty quickly I'm like, well, this is much worse than our house, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you, like, if you're going to okay. make the effort to go somewhere, you kind of want yeah. the place to be more exciting or better than more your house. And I was just a little bit like, oh, man, well, okay. Uh, and then what, we're hungry. Mm, good luck. Mm, the food's mm, – sorry, Big Bear. Not a lot of good chow. So I'm like, wow, so for this week, we're going to be in a place we are less comfortable, doesn't have anything we need, and then the food sucks. And we were driving home, and that's when I, I thought, well, I've ruined all of us. Yeah. We now need food that is real. It yeah. tastes good. And oopsies, now what? I will say we had a nice thing this year, which is we went skiing uh, in Colorado. And obviously, you know, beautiful mountain. And we were at a nice hotel, but not crazy luxury. Uh -huh. And we had adjoining rooms, my wife and I in one and the boys in the other. Yeah. And I remember Josh and I, not early on, because early on we'd all share a room with our parents. But I think at some point we sort of graduated to adjoining rooms and the boys were just so excited. 
like that, just having a room with a door to their parents' room. And I was happy to see that that sort of, it's just a, only a luxury to a kid. Like my parents are a door away. Yes, yes. Great. Yes. And so it was nice but to see. But you have see. autonomy. Yes. You're free to throw shit out the window if you want. <laughs> if need be. If somebody, <laughs> look, I don't know how the toilet paper got wet, but once it did, it had to go out the window. Uh, yeah, where are we going to put it? <laughs> you know, ruin this trash can. It's a nice trash can. How did you guys travel? We we did Florida. That was sort of once a year. And we'd fly there from New Hampshire. But then we would, I, we did share a room, right? It was like two queens. And uh-huh. Josh and I would share a bed and, and our parents would share a bed. And what's the age gap between you two? Just two, two years. years. That's That seems ideal. It is ideal. I, I guess in the fact that you guys both have this podcast is proof of that. Fact. Yeah, all these years later. All and these we years still, later. We still dig talking to each other. So. Yeah. Yeah. Five years uh-huh. was, is is hard to overcome. I do credit it for, you know, if there's an explanation of why I've done anything successfully, it's probably that, I you know, I was competing with a dude that was five years. Had a head start. Yeah, huge, yes. which is a massive head start. It's so massive. And then when you get around your peers, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm pretty competent at this stuff. I, I feel terrible at everything all day long. And then I get around my peers and I'm like, oh, I'm kind of competent. Yeah. So that's what we're already seeing it with our, you know, our baby girl. Yeah. Who is just, I just always want to say to the boys, like, you walked so she could run. <laughs> like, yes, <you're>, yes. <laughs> I know amongst your peers, you sort of feel just in the middle, right? Dead center. Yeah. But your, yeah. your sister. Well, that's thrive. good that she's going to be able to run because I've seen your boys run and that's bad. It's, it's not inspiring. <laughs> it's a bad scene. So, our younger one um, has, since the day she was born, has been getting rejected by her older sister four or five hundred times a day whereas the older one got accepted by me and Kristen. so the baby long ago was like mm, i don't give a fuck if you reject me like i can't live this way if i care so <laughs> yeah. now she just doesn't give a shit like she doesn't need anyone's approval it, bl- it blows my mind and i do think it's a product of like you just throw in the towel yeah we have a weird thing because our middle one axel is just so uniquely his own cat that he doesn't need his older brother's approval at all. And he's constantly will sort of go off and do his own thing. And Mm. I sometimes feel as though our oldest, somewhere in the back of his psyche feels, I thought I was promised someone who idolized me. And yet, and yet. Where's my fan? Yeah, my one, my (laughs) one goddamn fan. It's Um, just a cohort in this house with me. Who, which, was it the, the younger or the older who got injured at my house the other day? Delta, the younger girl. The younger. So yeah, Delta, yeah. she's very accident prone. There's a real scam going on here, Josh. So mm. Dax brings his kids over to her house. The oh, younger one yeah. finds, I think, finds like bungee cords on her own accord. <laughs> is wrapping them around a tree. <laughs> oh, boy. One of them snaps back, uh, and then she's uh, fine. I mean, we should say she is fine now, yeah. but she was very upset. And then uh, <laughs> Dax immediately made it clear he was going to sue and take her house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It had started uh, earlier with a dumb joke about how much I was willing to pay for their house. He lowballed us. Yeah, it was about <laughs> probably four or five percent of its gross value. <laughs> and then once this injury happened, I said, "Well, this house just got a lot cheaper. I think I'm going to be able to get it with my lawyers." And then Dax, uh, Dax came up with a very sly plan of training a rattlesnake. Uh huh. 
Mm. You got to train a rattlesnake for this plan to work. And then you bring it when you bring your children over to a house. You also have to build up their tolerance to snake venom. Right. Yeah. So right. This, is, right, this isn't something you pull off in a weekend. That's like <laughs> no, two years in advance. <laughs> then you bring over your trained rattlesnake, let it loose on your neighbors or whoever friends. You know, choose a property, obviously, of high value. Then you let your daughter get bit by a rattlesnake. <laughs> oh, and then... You own the whole fucking lot. There's no way. What jury is not going to give that little girl your house? It's bit by a king cobra. A king in your cobra. I don't even know where this came. Cobra. <laughs> These are supposed that to be was we did say the hole in the plan was a Martha's Vineyard rattlesnake, but yeah, man, you got to find a dumb enough jury. It's gonna be tough to try. I, I guess you'd have it in your carry on on the plane. <laughs> Wait, with that age gap, was uh, when your kids and and you're in that van. Mm-hmm. Do you, is there any collective music the four of you enjoy? Well, just my older brother's in charge of everything. And so whatever gotcha. he thought was cool, I thought was cool. And your mom was okay with him being the DJ? Yeah. And my mom had uh, had and has great musical taste. Okay, gotcha. So, yeah, she was, she loved, she would tell us as when we were kids, she's like, we're a Rolling Stones family. We're not a Beatles fan. Yeah. I want to yeah. hold your hand. Uh uh-uh. uh. I'm talking about a guy that's, was a, there's some line and he does he can't be a man because he doesn't smoke the same cigarettes as i do trying to get a girl pregnant i don't know yeah, yeah. my mom's like that's the family we're rolling Stones yeah. family very famously our dad does not like the beatles oh tell me what's his position he just doesn't like the beatles and i remember when i was in my college improv troupe my still to this day dear friend pete my dad came to the show and afterwards i said yeah he didn't seem that impressed and uh, my friend said just keep in mind he doesn't like the beatles that's great (laughs) which is like it's so that's that's sort of been a mantra and i should note uh our parents are incredibly supportive uh, my dad especially but anytime he doesn't go for anything i try to remember like you know you're just going the way of of lennon and mccartney you know not anyone can please the man also i will say mom will be very upset that you said our parents are very supportive dad especially Oh, yeah. Th- that, that mom is somehow less. <laughs> mom could not be more My, supportive. Yeah, our, our, our mom is supportive, too. Uh, so one might say a fault. She, you yeah. might say she celebrated even our, our subpar work. It immediately generated a tableau of your dad looking through that scrapbook when no one's around with a couple <laughs> tears streaming down his face. <laughs> I remember we were on a trip years and years ago, and Tone Loke was very Ooh. big at the time. Yeah. yeah. I was telling my parents, Tone Loke will be as big as the Beatles. And my dad was oh. like, okay, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's already better. <laughs> right. The only thing he could do it is blow the giant lead. <laughs> Listen, I have the most incredible Tone Loke story, but it might be apocryphal. I don't know. I can't really validate whether okay. this happened or not. But my friend who I had at the Groundlings, Guy, just a brilliant writer, such an interesting dude. He he claims he was with his family down at SeaWorld and they're walking past the amphitheater and they see a sign, it's Tone Loke, 2 p.m., 4 p.m., whatever. He's like, wow, Tone Loke's singing at the SeaWorld. They go to the show at the amphitheater and he, this is according to him. Um, started off, he played uh, Wild Thing. Good opener. Mm-hmm. Then he played Funky Cold Medina. Perfect number two. And then he said, y'all want to hear Wild Thing again? (laughs) (laughs) And everyone cheered. And then he sang Wild Thing again. And then that was the show. I hope that's real. Me too. But that's what I was told. By the way, 
it seems a little sad that he doesn't have a third song, but of course the sad is that he does those two and then does new stuff, right? Then yes. everybody loses. Yes. So the fact that he knew exactly what they wanted. Yes. If you're going to see Tone Loke once in your life and you get to hear Wild Thing twice. <laughs> That's, yeah, double your money. You just got a two for one. I was in Houston for like a NBC affiliate thing and it was on a Sunday and I went to a Houston Texans football game and I should know I'm we're huge uh, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. I don't really care that much about going to a game where I don't have a rooting interest. Right, right. But I met I was in the box and I met Young MC was going to be the halftime Ooh. entertainment. And I got to say, I was very excited. Come sit next to me, you fine fellow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Right? And it's a halftime show. That's exactly the length of time I wanted to spend uh, with Young MC. And then the coach, he's fine. I think it was Gary Kubiak. The coach had like a heart situation right at halftime. And oh, they yeah. had to bring on uh, like an ambulance. And, and I just, they had like built the Young MC stage and then struck it in the same. And so I missed my one window of opportunity to see. Oh, MC. it trumped the, yeah, it shut down no, the performance. There was no Young MC at halftime. Oh, I would love to see Young MC. I was very into dancing in high school and that song really. I mean, yeah. That turned whole album. Mm. What does dancing in high school mean? Is that like dance moves or we're going to go out dancing? It actually, to be honest, it starts in junior high. There was, we had dances in junior high, um, one a year, and we had a dance contest. And then the, if you won the dance contest, you got a 45 album from the DJ. And um, I won two of the three years I was in junior high, won the dance contest. So I was, it was like really in my identity that I was a dancer. Guys, I was maybe one of four boys who was willing to dance, period. That helps. That helps. Mm -hmm. And again, that's what I figured that out. I was like, guess what? Girls like guys who dance a lot. My brother is an excellent dancer and he did, he cleaned up. I can feel that. I can feel that. I don't know that. That doesn't surprise up, me at all. And I'm being like sincere. Dancing. Yeah, it's wonderful. And, and boys just are way too afraid to do it. Uh, especially where I was from, there was some implication that you were gay if you liked yeah. to dance. I mean, that's just the reality of uh, rural Michigan in 83, 82. Yeah, there was, there was um, a shameful lack of diversity where I was from. Yeah, yeah. We, had, uh, we had very much the same. Yeah. Josh, when speaking of having only four guys dancing and having that help your contest situation, we once were going to dinner. My mom was bringing us to dinner on Halloween and she was taking us to a restaurant that had a contest for best Halloween costume for Wonderful. the kids. Yeah, I uh, This has always been the case. I am uh, was far too uh, shy to do that. Josh, meanwhile, fully dressed up. Yes. I believe I was a clown. A clown. I had maybe a, you know, the softest of costumes, like a trench coat and a fedora, and I was private eye. Okay. But even when we got to the restaurant, I said, I can't do it. So I took off my trench coat. Then we walk in, and we just clock that no one, there's no kids there. Okay. okay. And I'm wearing like, I'm wearing a, like a polka dot jumper with like big, like yarn buttons. Professional Painted clown. face. Yes. Curly wig. Like I'm full clown and there's a sign that says first place fifty dollars second place twenty five third place ten and so now i and again i realized that in the end i screwed my brother over but i just assumed look obviously josh has got the 50 but the 25 is just on the table yes yes so at this point i get over my nerves i run out put on my trench coat put on my hat run back in and then at the end of the night the waiter said uh we couldn't decide between the two of you and we're gonna let you guys split first prize 
and gave us 50 no, bucks no, to no, split. No, 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 yeah, no. Make one it. of us second so we can get the 75 <laughs> and split that, you <laughs> fucking chiseler. <laughs> they chiseled us right out of it. <laughs> what <Yeah>. a genius, actually. <laughs> They're like, fuck, we don't want to. There's no, this, yeah. this, this didn't turn out to be what we thought it was going to be. I needed like, I needed $25 worth of cold cream just to get all that <laughs> makeup off my face. Pawns, cold cream, grandma's yeah. pawns. Um, can I guess the, the dynamic between you two when you were younger? Please. A lot of Seth, you telling Josh, like, go over there and get, do oh, the, 100%. go grab that thing and do the thing. A hundred percent. Right. Go, yeah, go over there and yell. Go ask. A lot of asking. Yeah. Go ask. Yeah. We have that situation with ours, which is the 10-year-old's insanely competent. Like, it actually frustrates me that she won't let me leave her in the house alone. She can do anything, but she doesn't want to go like you. The 8-year-old, it's terrifying. Look, she was at your house out of sight for five seconds, and she <laughs> fucking somehow broke a figure. We don't know how. With bungee cords, we didn't even know we had. Yeah, she, she might have <laughs> keistered them in. I don't even know how. But... Uh, when we're at hotels, we, we make them go down to the lobby if they like want something like, well, you got to go down there and get it. And it's the same thing. It's like the competent one, but she needs the mouthpiece of the little crazy one. And then you're wondering, you know, who will return. We finally got over the hump with our, you know, our, I guess our oldest is younger than your youngest, right? She's eight. Yep. So we're seven. And he finally got over the hump of, we said, if you, at the pizza place you love, you have to ask for this side dish of Parmesan. Yeah. And now he's, and just watching him, it's really nice because that reward of politely asking. Yeah. Also, I just, the thing you want to impress upon kids is if you are polite, Adults are going to be so impressed and so nice. It to can't you. go wrong. It can't go wrong. And as you get older, politeness becomes expected of you. Yes. But this is the age where it's a bonus. Just be polite. It's mind blowing when a kid has good manners. Yeah. You know the you got yeah you got to figure out something that they really want because the time that I got tricked Lincoln into it was we had ordered and we're sitting and waiting for our food at In and Out and for people who are not in an In and Out state. There isn't a busier restaurant on planet Earth than In-N-Out. And they're, they're, they're servicing hundreds of people every 20 minutes. It's, it's wild how it works. So we're now wait, We're like number 126, right? And she goes, I really wish I would have ordered a milkshake. And the line is now enormous. And I said, well, here's my credit card. If, you, if you're willing to go ask that person, I'm so sorry. Could I jump in front of you? I forgot to order something. You can get a milkshake. And she was like, ah, Oh, and by God, she wanted that milkshake bad enough. Finally, she did. She went up. I'm like, you know, and I'm watching out of earshot. I just get to see the body language. And again, to your point, the adults so smitten that they get to let this little girl go ahead to get a milkshake. Now, what you should have done is after she got it, you should have walked over and taken it right out of her hand. And and dumped it on her head. (laughs) And said, without this moment in your life, you'll be a... I don't know what I'm trying to teach you. (laughs) But I have a hunch you're going to be lazy if I don't do this. (laughs) And then maybe then next time you'll remember, get it the first time. Yes. Or you'll end up with it wearing it as a hat. <laughs> Doesn't make a very good hat, does it? <laughs> Everybody in line's watching. <laughs> you know, I'm really surprised that kid, that, that guy's got a polite kid. He seems like a lot. I don't, I'm going to return my Samsung products I bought because he and his wife said they were good. Did you, uh, when you uh, met with some uh, financial success, yeah. were you in a position, did you uh, take your mom? On, on trips? 
I have sent her on many trips. I've invited her on quite a few. Yes. Oh, you you send her on her own. So you sort of uh, reward all those years of wanderlust where she sort of was dragging kids around. She gets to do on her own now. And let me add, you know, by the time I got out of high school, my mother had left General Motors and built this business that then became very successful. So she drug me, like she traveled in class for quite a while I've been on so many cruises with her, I can't even tell you. Um, I've been on a 21-day cruise with her through Asia. And is it dreadful or wonderful? I was 20. Okay. I loved it. Great. I drank on the boat. I hung out with the crew, and we saw new places. So I loved it. But as I got older, I decided that wasn't the kind of vacation I necessarily wanted. Right. And then once you get on TV, it's compounded certainly even more because- Nowhere to run to. Let's say that, let's just say if there was a thousand people on the cruise ship, let's just say low low number, let's say three knew who I was. By day three, 975 <laughs> would know who I was. Because like, there's nothing else to do. So people would be getting educated. No, not plunked, punk. The show was called punk. Probably no one would have any of it right. But over time, you'd become a, you know, a bigger deal than maybe you are. I had a very... A uh, nice moment the other day where, um, go back to this gate agent problem I was having the other day. Uh-huh, yeah. So. It's made a real mark. Made a real mark. While this woman was very helpfully trying to get me on this flight, there was a row of five women in wheelchairs, you know, so the, the boarding first group. Yeah. You need a little extra time to board. And one of them very sweetly recognized me and uh, said, are you Seth Myers?" And I said, I am. And, uh, you know, I will say nothing floats my boat more than an old woman who it wants to talk to me about the show, right? Like, that's the yeah. dream. But then the great thing that happened is the other four old women didn't know who I was and just kept asking her yes. right in front of me yes. to explain who I was. And loud, it was so loud that now the whole... Yes. And, uh, and people were... It was, a, it was I was put in a nice situation to sort of grin and bear it in a way that I feel like was endearing to the entire yes. boarding area. yes. It makes me think of the many times I've been in a small town in America shooting a movie and the people that live there will come up to you and they'll go, what is, what movie is this? And you're like, oh, you tell them the title. It means nothing to them because they've never heard the title. So they're <laughs> bummed about that. And then they go, Star Wars. <laughs> and then they go, who's in it? I, you know, and you're like, well, well I am. And, and, and never are they, there's no one big enough in it. They're, yeah. they're always disappointed. And then finally they go, well, when does it come out? And you're like, I don't know, probably like a year and a half or two years. And the, the whole thing just leaves a terrible taste in their mouth. You know you've disappointed them on all levels. And then they carry on their business. Yeah. It's, when does it come out is really funny, too, because based on the first two answers, you want to say, I don't know if it's for you. Uh, yeah. I mean, you didn't like the title. I'm this fucking star, if you can believe that. So, yeah, you're, you can skip this one. <laughs> um, well, one time I did a movie, oh, in the great state of Massachusetts, most of it, called The Judge that had... Yeah, Robert Downey oh, Jr. it was shot in my girlfriend's hometown. Uh, it, with the little waterfall in town? That, Shelburne Falls, Massachusetts. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. What what experience of my lifetime, because I was in a little bed and breakfast, and the only guests were myself, Jeremy Strong, and Robert Duvall. And I would go into Robert Duvall's bedroom nearly every night, sit at the foot of his bed and just ask him about things, which he was so generous to tell me. He like, loved it. He, yeah, he loved it. Great. I would get every detail of The Godfather out of him, every detail of Apocalypse Now. 
But just sitting at the foot of the bed while he was under the covers chatting was incredible. But um, on that movie, so it was, yeah, it was Robert Downey Jr., Robert Duvall, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, um, Billy Bob Thornton. Um, so the people in town would be like, who's in this movie? And I'd be like, oh, Robert Duvall. Like, oh, my God, where's where's in the Robert Downey Jr.? Where is he? <laughs> and I'd list the whole cast, and they would just be so disappointed that they I was the cast member they bumped into. That it's so funny because Jeremy Strong did seem to appear out of nowhere. And it's funny to remember that, of course, he was an actor yes. for a long time running up to this. And in fact, he had already been in Lincoln. Like he was already uh, doing a lot of kind of prestige things. What year is The Judge? 2013 is when we filmed it because I know um, Lincoln was three months old. And I was staying at that Liberty Hotel in Boston. That's an old prison. And we had so much fun. And then we were on the road and we had the little baby and we were in a small town and we were staying with Bob Duvall and his wife. God, that's great. It was incredible. Yeah. As is the case, you know, and then that movie didn't come out and perform in the way everyone would have hoped for. Um, But then you evaluate that next to some other projects that have overperformed. And you go, well, I would pick to keep this one. Of course. You know, but it takes, I think, some some years doing it before you have that perspective. I think, yeah, if you can go and have a great sort of three months of anecdote collection. Yes. That's not bad. A summertime with some screen legends. <laughs> that's your cruise. Who are generous. That's your modern yes. cruise. Is just give me three months in an inn with Bob Duvall. That's right. It was the dream role, too, because I had virtually zero lines, but I was his... Uh, I was his lawyer, so I sat at a table in a courtroom for 70% of the movie with Duvall and Robert Downey. I just got to watch him act from like six (laughs) inches away, and I had no responsibilities (laughs) other than just shake my head occasionally. Uh. Did you – were there ever times when you're – okay, you're obviously in a shot with screen legends. Was there ever a time where the director had to specifically give you a note, even for a non-line scene? Like either you're giving me too much, you're not giving me enough. This is wonderful. The very, the only, like the only hard stuff I had is I did have about a three page monologue and it was the very first scene of day one of shooting. Oof. And the monologue is to Duvall and Downey. Uh, that's day one, scene one, my monologue. That feels like unfair scheduling. It seemed very harsh yeah as talk about a trial by fire um and weirdly i just had downey on the podcast and we were talking about this and he said because he had definitely vouched for me to be in that movie right um and he said you you did what you the best thing you can do is your hardest thing you you have a monologue and you go i belong here that's his take on it yeah the director wanted to reshoot the scene Later. Later. Yeah. For some... With a different actor. (laughs) (laughs) But he did love what you did. He He loved what you did. It was great. Just, you know... He's like, it's, we just want to go with a different type. We're going to get Zach Braff. We loved what you did. Can you do the opposite of that? Um, The the, the punchline of the story is he wanted to reshoot it. And Duvall was like, I'm not shooting that scene. That kid was great. I don't know why he wants to get in there and do this. I saw that scene. Kid is great in this thing. 
I don't know if he really thought I was great or I just I was so endearing every night on the end yeah. of his bed. But he basically protested. He's like, "This he, the kid was perfect. We're not doing it again. And did you not do it again? Didn't do it again. Wow. Yeah. That's great. And are you happy with it? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, that's yeah, the best part. Yeah. I um, My version of that is I think my second year on SNL, I wrote a sketch called Pranksters with Christopher Walken. Uh-huh. It was a very it was very punk uh, inspired. Yes. It was a kids prank show and kids the idea was I was the host and kids would uh, record pranks they'd pulled on parents. Yeah. And first uh, scene was Catan was a kid and he put a rubber spider in his teacher's desk and he showed the video and then the next prankster was Christopher Walken. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he was an adult man and the prank he pulled was his boss kept taking his parking spot and he beat him to death with a tire and iron. <laughs> <laughs> and so we went to shoot walking in a parking garage, uh, beating Chris Parnell to death with a tire and iron. And he did it perfectly. First time walking did it perfectly. And the director at the time at SNL who did the pre-tape stuff was very, had his own way of doing things. And he was like, all right, we're going to do it again. And this time, Chris, I want you to, and walking just walked over to me, knew I wrote it. Mm-hmm. He goes, you good? <laughs> And I was like, I'm good. And he goes, we're good. And he just walked off. <laughs> oh, God. And it was, but, and I, I should know that I paid for it for like years later. That, yes. that walk, but walking, it was the best feeling where walking was like, I think that guy wrote it. And I think I did what he wanted. <laughs> and I don't want to hang out all day in a parking garage. In this lo-fi. Yeah. yeah You're, yeah. I feel like you are putting a standard on this that I don't want it to. Yeah. There's, I kind of collect those stories. Oh. Um, I know a good one too about, or I've heard, I wasn't there, so I don't know that it's actually true, but, um, Jack Nicholson on a movie with a director who's famous for a gazillion takes. And she said, uh, okay, that was great. Let's do it again. He goes, no, I don't think we're going to do it again. I'm going to be at my hotel. And he just <laughs> strolled off set and got in the car and left. <laughs> it's pretty good. I mean, if you can get away with it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I won't tell them out of school, but there was some great Duvall. I, I just, yeah. I, there were moments working with him where I, I was so angry I hadn't started recording. I kept thinking, well, pull out your phone and just start recording this. Well, it's too late. It's going to pass. And then another minute later, I'm like, fuck, I really should have pulled my phone out. This thing's still going. <laughs> right. Oh, <laughs> I just And then in my mind thinking, you must memorize every word that's being said. This is epic. <laughs> it's really good. I mean, it's worth it. There, you're right. It doesn't matter how something like that performs if you get to hang out with Robert Duvall. Yes, truly. Um, hey, we have some questions for you that Josh can ask. These okay. are these are for all of our podcast guests. Okay, great. Which yeah. we do, and I know that you're a host, but we've been an incredible guest as well. Okay, well, thank you so much. It's so um, pleasant to have nothing on my shoulders. Right. Right. Like this, I don't yeah. have to land the plane. I, say, I don't you, have to yeah, make yeah, it yeah. make sense. It's uh, it's a joy. You're you're yeah, too good at this. This did not feel like work for anybody. Uh, I mean, you might be filled with the fear of if I don't know if your daughter is outside at that house right now, but she could be getting into any number. That crow of- flew away with her. Yes, <laughs> yes. it was a b- <laughs> very big crow. Yeah, yeah. It, but um, it snatched her up just in a nick of time before the uh, water moccasin <laughs> bit her ankle. <laughs> All right, here we go. Is your ideal vacation, are you relaxing? Is it adventurous? Is it enlightening? Or is it educational? Um, Adventurous, for sure. Great. Um, Do you prefer to travel by train, plane, automobile, boat, or on foot? 
Well, I do want to clarify that I've yet no, no, I just said I was on a cruise ship. So I guess I have traveled by boat. Yeah, it didn't seem like it's going to be in the top spot. I like <laughs> the car the most because these don't really require a follow-up. But I just want to say I love the option of like, if you're not feeling this part of the vacation, you hop in that fucking car yeah. and you aim it somewhere else. I do love the endless possibility of being self-contained. Yeah. Having an escape route mm. is... A wonderful thing it is this is a wonderful place that we currently are i don't feel super relaxed on an island you do not i don't love you it. have a little baseline anxiety. i have a little anxiety about being on an island sure yeah. sure it's a yeah. long swim yeah it's a long swim yeah island fever that's what's mm. going that's what's known mm. as yeah if you could take a vacation with any family alive or dead other than your own family which family would it be Definitely my Papa Bob and my dad, who are both dead. Uh, I would, I would, but very other much... than your family, they can't be your <gasps> family. Yeah. Oh, other, oh, oh, other oh, families. Oh, oh. Okay. I just thought dead was the prerequisite. Okay. <laughs> no. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that's a really good question, but it does require some thought. Um, yeah. Sorry. Sorry about can, that. Can, can you give me the examples of if you guys answered this question yourself? Well, I would no. See, there we go. He's proving it's really tricky. Well, see, I would say like if I had to go on, uh, with any uh, family, like I would maybe like, yeah. See, this is proving how unfair it is. Okay, I'm gonna. I have one now. Okay, great. Just you think. At least gave me I bought you town. Um, my very favorite nonfiction book is Titan, the John D. Rockefeller biography. I've, I'm very obsessed with John D. Rockefeller, and I love these. He was very into vacations and napping and relaxing, kind of counter to what you would imagine the, the biggest tycoon of all time would be like. But they would go to these like health resorts in northern New York, like something springs. Yeah. I would love to be a part of that bizarre carnival that went up there. Like he had his own railroad car and then you'd get there and it was this thing. And I, I think that's what I'd want to experience. Amy Poehler's answer was the, her, she went fictional and, and the Logan Roy, the Roy family. So I think it was a very oh, sort of similar vibe. Okay. She, she yeah. was like, I would love to be a plus one, not mm. part of the drama, but sort of drama adjacent. But yeah. The, I think a train car. That's a nice way. I think yeah. someone else said the Von Trapps. I forget. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's probably what Dax's daughters, that's who they'd pick. Are the, is that the Swedish, uh, the, the, uh, the Swiss uh, sound, Family Robinson? Sound, sound of Music. Oh, yeah. duh. Oh, but no, Swiss but Family else, Robinson. Someone somebody said else said Swiss Family Robinson. I think John Oliver. <laughs> yeah. Wow, um, I'm in great company. Yeah, you really Polar good company. and John Oliver. Yeah, we had yeah. Wow, wow. If you had to be stranded on a desert island with one member of your family, who would it be? Ah, uh, Lincoln, my 10-year-old. All right. Yeah. That's very Send her up a tree, get coconut. She is. She's, I, she's a survivor. Nice honesty. I think we, you always know it's an honest answer when a parent is willing to pick one kid over another. <laughs> yeah. And again, there's other situations where I'd rather be stuck with Delta. Yeah. I mean, like Delta's a rainbow. Insurance like, fraud situations. <laughs> sure, sure. Any kind of grift, uh, <laughs> confidence game. <laughs> um, and you said you're from Detroit, but it's not Detroit proper, is it? Or. No, um, although I did live in downtown Detroit as I got older, but um, right where the suburbs turned from suburbs, like Detroit suburbs, into cornfields. Kids were getting on the bus with shitty boots on from shoveling stalls out. Yeah, what town is that? What town were you from? Milford, Michigan. Milford, Michigan. Uh, would you recommend Milford, Michigan as a vacation destination? 
Wow, you really put me on the spot. A, I don't think <laughs> lodging is, is okay. So uh, it's not really it's not really up to you. They don't they can't sustain a tourism trade. I don't know that they can. Although we do live in an era of Airbnbs. Look, I have the warmest um, feelings about Milford, Michigan. It's a it's a lake life, right? Like there's not a road in Milford that goes straight for more than a half mile before it has to bend around a lake. So that sounds very Yeah, there's gotta be a dozen lakes within forty square miles there. And Detroit, I have uh, been to Detroit recently, do some stand up. Okay, where did you perform? Do you remember? Fox Theater? Yes. And yes. Uh, Detroit is gorgeous. Beautiful theater, that Fox Theater. Yeah, yeah. well, there's there seems like there's all those Art Deco-y remnants of a different time in Detroit that they've done a nice job of uh, rehabilitating and renovating. Yes, I think the one man, the guy who owns Quicken Loans, has oh, right. almost single-handedly... Dan Gilbert? Dan Gilbert. There Good go. job. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think he bought the Fox, and that's beautifully restored and then built the stadiums across the street and he he's really yeah there'll be books about him someday he really t- turned that entire city around but i lived down there uh at the nadir of you know 93 in gotcha. detroit was about as gnarly as i think it ever got <laughs> i'll put it this way we had a three thousand square foot loft for 400 dollars a month who was it was that with uh... it's me and three other dudes was so we it, all had to come up with $100. Was it for its gnarliness? Was it a thrilling time to live in Detroit? Couldn't be more exciting. We live like eight blocks from the punk rock venue. We went to shows five nights a week. Um, we got attacked by hobos three nights a week. I mean, it was full on. We were hammered for most of it. And it was, what a time to be alive. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I bet like your boom Chicago days. Yeah. Yeah. That was, I mean, it was like having that. We, I just went back for the 30th anniversary. Uh-huh. And boom Chicago is the theater in Amsterdam that Seth and I both yeah. worked for after college. And so I was in Amsterdam and the hardest part, cause it's still a beautiful city, but it was just so exciting to be that age. And at yeah. that, and so that there's sort of this heartbreaking nostalgia about being back because you think it's the city And then you remember, no, the city was a massive part of it, but it wasn't the best part of it. You know, it's funny you'd say that. There was a moment about 10 years ago where I realized, oh, eBay exists. I could get an original Nintendo in all the games. Or maybe someone posted a picture of it on Instagram. I was like, oh, or a Super Mario Brother thing. And I'm like, I'm going to get all that. And I was on the verge of buying all that. And I just had this moment where I was like, what I miss is being 12. Yeah. I don't yeah. I don't actually miss Nintendo, but I think I miss Nintendo. Yeah. I miss how I felt at 12 playing Nintendo. Right. You, what you want is to buy all your old friends who are also 12. <laughs> yes, yes. In the lack of responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> and like my singular goal in life was to get to another level on Super <laughs> Mario Brothers. That's what I Yes, it might, for. might feel a little uh, uh, hollow. <laughs> yes, today. I no. think so. Maybe pathetic even. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my last question. It starts with this uh, part. Have you been to the Grand Canyon? Yes. Okay. So then for everyone who's listening, is it worth it? It was spectacular. Okay. I can't say it's terribly different from other canyons I've okay. I don't know like if you put me on the edge of it right now if I could oh. say with any absolute conviction it wasn't a different canyon. How many canyons do you think you've Hit. Well, I again, I'm a road tripping wanderluster. Yeah. I've stood on, I've stood on a f- several canyons. Excuse me, it's the Grand Canyon. <laughs> it is so, the Grand Canyon. You don't know. You could which uh, name me another canyon. 
Well, I'll say that you can be standing on many mountaintops that look out over a valley that in a rocky Utah climate, the kind you're like, I don't know, is that a canyon or are we just up high? I, I don't I've I've I don't had know many... if you're super clear on no, what a you canyon have is. been diagnosed with canyon blindness. <laughs> I I I have. It's actually I'm canyon nearsighted. Oh, I see. So I can see up like the shoulder of the road where you get out yeah, and yeah. the immediate stuff. If you're this if you're a foot away from the Grand Canyon, it's looking, not it's not very impressive. <laughs> if you can only see the first two feet, it's actually not. So you're saying don't get too close because at that point it just could be a wall. It could be. It could be. Yeah. If you're standing like on a sidewalk and looking down at the street, you think that might be a canyon? There's no way for me to know it's not a canyon is what I'm saying. He doesn't want to make a fool of himself by assuming it's not. But what I will say is I have an uncle and a cousin who did the rafting trip through the Grand Canyon where you do like eight days and you camp on the side of the river. And I very much want to do that. And I think that could be spectacular. Okay. Gotcha. Have you guys been to the Grand Canyon? Josh has been at the edge of it, mm-hmm. but he had his yeah. dog, so he couldn't do the full thing. He yeah. is very covetous of time in the canyon, and I have no interest at all. But I will say that an eight-day boat trip is a little bit – it just like seems like trudging to me. Well, you go with you know a, a company that puts the tents up and cooks yeah. the baked beans every night, and, I'm, and you know the stars are – you'll never see stars like that. It's total yeah. darkness. You need, a, you need a company to cook baked beans for, for A you. theater company. <laughs> That's oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Theater the, company, I see. And they're prop beans. Yeah. None of it. You can't eat any of them. The Colorado Baked Beans is there. <laughs> That's the name <laughs> of the company. They're an improv, they're a canyon-based improv company. I is my my guess is that this whole opinion of yours is informed entirely by vacation. Where Chevy Chase goes, okay, there's the Grand Canyon. Well, you're right. I haven't made the full connection, but of course that is what it is. That's probably what it is, right? And 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 I do feel ganged up on. There are many, many Go go to go to fucking Bryce, Utah. You 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 can get that whole canyon thing. Several. Okay. It places. just it just took a long time for you to name another canyon. <laughs> <laughs> Nor I don't know the names of any other. Canyon. And to be fair, <laughs> or actually, I mean, Bryce Canyon is a canyon. The Grand Canyon. Yeah, no, it is. It's a hundred percent a canyon. Yeah. You, I mean, you can't go blocking Utah without hitting the canyon. I think Bryce Canyon has terrible legal representatives, or they would have come after the Grand Canyon for <laughs> audaciously claiming to be. <laughs> um, well, you've actually done a better uh, sales pitch on the Grand Canyon than you think, even though you've kind of uh, sung the praises of other canyons, I think. Um, well, again, I, I do want to take that that river trip. That okay. sounds incredible. Yeah. In fact, probably go. with the 10-year-old because she's very into whitewater rafting. So, Well, thank you very much. I should. Uh, I don't know if people can visually see. This is the worst chair you've been in for a podcast in a long time. Although it wasn't terrible, right? No, I like it. In okay. fact, I've, I've recently gotten myself a, lazy, a new lazy boy, and I didn't realize. And this is sincere. It sounds like a bit. I think I got a big and tall one. Ah. Because my feet don't touch the ground. I'm 6'3". And honestly, you could put two of me. It's so wide. So you it, look like that old Lily Tomlin character where, yes, she is like a kid. Yes, yes. <laughs> oversized, yes. oversized chair. A, yes. Shrinking, credible shrinking lady. <laughs> yeah, that? something like that. Um, yeah, I look preposterous in it. So this was actually nice to All have right. my feet on the ground. Well, it was great having you. Thanks for, thanks for making time for us, Dax. Yeah, thanks for um, letting me force you to interview me while I was here on vacation. Yeah. So We're probably I, never going to use this, but we did feel bad when you came off. So. I, this could be like the judge. I don't, it, I'll <laughs> still have had an hour and a half of if freedom. It, just 
so you know, if it airs, it's because Robert Duvall angrily called us. And said he'll never act again if this doesn't <laughs> get released. <laughs> uh, thanks, buddy. All right. All right. Love thanks, you guys. Dax. Take care. Love you, too. When Dax rolls into town, he may come by for a visit. But beware of his evil plan that's oh so exquisite. Does recon in advance. Knows if you got a nice place. He's got no shame, cause on that plane he's got a snake in his suitcase. He looks so innocent, wearing shorts made out of denim. But then he lets his daughter get hit with some venom. You'll never see it coming. You'll cry to your spouse, how? Well, you can scream and shout, but you're moving out. Cause Dax owns Owns your house now. He owns your house now. Dax Shepard owns your house now. That snake's not even indigenous to this part of the country. Doesn't matter. Dax Shepard owns your house now.